Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Michael Rothstein Show live from Empower Field at Mile High after the Lions 27-17 loss to Denver. It's Detroit's eighth straight loss, 11 losses in 12 games. We all know this already. It's over and over and over again, the same type of thing every week. At this point, but hey, if you are a Lions fan, there are two pieces of good news for you right now, and I would argue maybe even three. The first one is this there's only one week left in the season, so only one more Sunday that you have to watch this. It's at home, it's against Green Bay. Green Bay could be playing for a division, could be playing for a first round bye. So the Packers are going to come in wanting to take care of business. The Lions, meanwhile, are with. David Blau, who's really been struggling at quarterback, and they're down to Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, and a bunch of guys who haven't really gotten any receptions at wide receiver, which brings me to number two. As part of good news, Kerryon Johnson looked pretty good in his return. He said this is the best he's felt in a year, and the combination of him and Bo Scarborough, while it might not mean much for the rest of this season, meaning one more game, it's something that the Lions can at least look to build on in 2020. And one drive specifically was a drive that led to the Kenny Galladay touchdown reception. Both Scarborough and Carrion both pointed to that and said, look, this is something that we felt worked really well. Carrion come in pick up positive yardage, then Bo would come in, pick up positive yardage, and alternate and alternate they go. Carrion got a little bit more work on that drive, but they moved down the field well, they found holes, and they feel like that is something they can build on. So at this point in a lost season, that is a little victory, which brings me to maybe the bigger win for the Lions in another loss, which is this. They're now number three in the draft, so... Any sort of chase for Chase Young or being bad for Derek Brown are is very well alive at this point. And that could have taken a big hit earlier today because Miami almost lost to Cincinnati. And the Giants and Washington were in a game that looked like it could have ended up tied. But the Lions are in a good spot to potentially get the number two pick. Here's all that needs to happen at this point. Detroit needs to lose to Green Bay on Sunday, which, frankly, probably should happen. And then they need, this is the more difficult part, they need Washington to beat Dallas. If that happens, if those two things occur, the Lions will have the number two overall pick in the draft. And you have to think that Cincinnati is going to take LSU quarterback Joe Burrow because they need a franchise signal caller. If they do that, then the Lions could actually get Ohio State pass rusher, defensive dynamo, Chase Young. If you go back a couple of podcasts, we had Doug LaMaurice, who covers Ohio State and is a columnist for Cleveland.com, on to talk about Chase Young. At that point, it didn't seem plausible. Now it seems very, very possible that that could happen. And honestly, there's even a chance, if they're sitting at three, that Chase Young could end up there. We'll get into that a little bit more as I answer some of your questions here in this post-game edition of The Michael Rothstein Show. Before we get to that, just a quick mention of our presenting sponsor, Regents Field. They're at 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Come on down. They have some really great food, including some gluten-free options. You can play skee-ball for free. You can play darts for free. 
Check them out. Check out their specials on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all with the handle Regents Field. So now let's get to some of your questions, of which I solicited during the fourth quarter on Sunday. We'll start here. Magic Masai says, commentators mentioned that Patricia told them that the lack of interior rush this year has hindered the ends by chipping from tight ends and double teams. Can I answer since when do we expect a two-gap nose tackle to push the pocket in pass rush? That's a really good question. Unfortunately, I didn't see this until I got back up from the locker room. So I wasn't able to ask Matt Patricia this myself, but I could potentially ask him this a little bit later on this week, potentially even tomorrow when he addresses the media. But I think what maybe he was trying to get at, and again, this is me just speculating here, is that they haven't really had much of an interior pass rush at all. That's something that really Deshaun Hand gave them last year. That's something that they hoped Mike Daniels would give them when they signed him. Daniels was hurt most of the year on injured reserve. Deshaun Hand hurt most of the year on injured reserve. So all of a sudden, the Lions were in a position where they didn't maybe have anyone on their roster, even Kevin Strong, who showed some potential in training camp to be a guy that could get some pass rush from the interior. All those guys were gone. So now what the Lions had to do was either blitz Jared Davis, who, by the way, also is on injured reserve now, and the Lions are not really a blitzing team, as we know. So they would either have to change that to try and get any sort of rush up the middle or hope that Damon Harrison would get it. And Damon Harrison, that's never been anything he's done particularly well in his career. Again, this is just me hypothesizing here. I will try to get an answer this week. But that would be my best guess as far as what he was getting at because they have run a lot more four-man fronts of late. And... They've definitely rushed four more of late. So I think he's referring more to not having Deshaun Hand and not having Mike Daniels for most of the year. Samantha Holt with a couple of questions. Her handle is Samantha R. Holt. She's actually really big in fantasy. So if you are someone who is involved with fantasy football, you should probably give her a follow. She's also the designer of my logo, the second logo, not the really weird first logo I made on this podcast. She asks early draft favorites to join the team. We were talking a little bit about that at the jump. And Chase Young right now is a definitive possibility, especially if the scenario I laid out a few minutes ago happens. And I would look otherwise maybe at the cornerback from Ohio State. I believe his name is Jeff Okuda. Uh, I apologize if I pronounced that name wrong. Auburn's Derek Brown, the massive interior defensive lineman, which would actually then go with the question that that Magic Messiah just asked about what they can do to kind of get a pass rush in the interior. Derek Brown's a massive player, and he's a guy I think that would fit really well into this system. So those might be three guys that they look at here, especially if they're sitting at number three. They potentially could need a wide receiver. I don't think they would take one at three if maybe they targeted a Jerry Judy then maybe they make a move back and, and try to get him at six or seven. But I don't know if they definitely would do that. I think there will be a ton of options at this point. And then maybe they draft a running back in the second round. But I don't even know if they would go that route just because I, you maybe like what you see at this point. We haven't gotten through free agency. Another name to watch would be Isaiah Simmons. He's a linebacker slash safety at Clemson. He's dynamic, and he's somebody that, frankly, 
could be a perfect piece for Matt Patricia. I, my biggest concern there would be he might be a little too similar to what they have in Tracy Walker. But if the Lions, say, moved on from Tavon Wilson, maybe Isaiah Simmons is a guy that fits him right away and becomes a guy that adds speed to your lineup, both in the secondary and at linebacker. And that would be a very interesting piece as well to look at. We've got a lot of time between now and the draft. There's going to be a lot of speculation but those would be the early names that I would look at. She also wants to know briefly who won the Madden League with Daniel Dopp. If you don't know who Daniel Dopp is, he's one of my colleagues at ESPN. He's a former guest and likely future guest on this show. He's a big Lions fan. Myself, him, and a couple of people that we are friends with and actually his brother are in a Madden League that we've had for a couple of years now. And he actually beat me the most recent time we played. But we are two of the better teams in our league. Um, we're just about to enter our fourth season now. And it's it's a super fun time. If anyone out there plays Madden, let me know. Uh, be more than willing to play you at some point. And uh, we can kind of go from there. We're always looking maybe for people to join our league as well. Les White. The name Icon Silk 713 asks, do I think the Lions might be comfortable enough with Tyrell Crosby to release w Rick Wagner? I think it's possible, and it might not have to do totally as much with how comfortable they feel with Tyrell Crosby, who has handled himself okay. I thought he did all right here against the Broncos today at right tackle. As much as it is, Wagner has been very average, and in comparison to the salary that he is commanding, and that is he is going to command next year where I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it is $9 million or so next year. And none of that is guaranteed that that's a lot of money to pay a guy that, frankly, you can probably find a capable replacement for, especially when you need to pay some guys, whether it's guys that are your own free agents like Kenny Galladay, you're going to probably have to give a long-term extension to. Maybe you're going to extend out Taylor Decker. So you're going to have to find money somewhere. And Rick Wagner just really hasn't been getting it done to the level of his salary. Uh, just looked it up. And his base number for 2020 is $9 million. He has no guaranteed money left on his deal. But his cap hit is $11.9 million. And the debt money is reasonable. It's $5.8 million. So pretty much... The Lions would be in okay shape there. They'd be making about six million off of that deal, if my math is correct, maybe between five and six million. So it's possibly a move that as we look towards the 2000, 2020 offseason, the Lions could make. And I think that if they really do feel comfortable enough with Tyrell Crosby as their right tackle, or at least having a competition with Crosby and a player they draft, a free agent they bring in, then. Yeah, I think you could see Rick Wagner playing some of his final games, and even though he didn't obviously play because he was injured on Sunday, with the Lions. Um, Keith Alexander, K. Alexander with then three zeros, says, according to MLive Lab, around $50 million in cap space next year. I know you can't, quote-unquote, buy bad contracts like other sports because of dumb NFL trade escalators, but is there any way we can use any of that space to move up to two in the draft? I mean, no. Yes and no. You can't really do that. You can try to do what Cleveland did with Houston a few years back when they basically traded Brock Osweiler, and that was really just trading an expiring contract, very similar to what happens all the time in the NBA. 
but it is a little bit trickier. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in contract math and, and what would need to go in to making that happen. But I also don't know if you're the Lions, if you're going to want to move up from three to two based off of what it would cost and what it's cost in the past. And the reason I say that is you have a lot of holes that you need to fill. You have to find a way to get difference makers. And if going up from three to two also costs you your second or third round pick, well, I don't know if that's worth it. Although I think Chase Young might be worth it. You have to feel really, really confident that Chase Young is that guy. And you have to know exactly how you want to use them if you're going to make that move. Now, listen, they can still get to two. We've outlined that scenario and how that happens already. But I don't know if they would do that sort of thing. I think that maybe if they could include a player in there with Washington, because it would almost definitely be Washington at that point at two, maybe you make that happen. But I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Uh, you know, I mean, they need some receivers. So do you throw Marvin Jones in that situation? Would Darius Slay happen to be in that deal? But these are guys, veterans that their names in the past have been talked about. I personally would not trade either one of those players. You know, do they look for a linebacker? Like, do you maybe, while the Lions love Jared Davis, he hasn't exactly given them what they need on the field. So you maybe look at that to try to move up to two, but... I wouldn't say any of those are bad contracts either. Actually, I think those are also three of the most reasonable contracts that the Lions have. They just happen to be ending. It's more of an expiring contract deal. But long way between now and then. And again, that's all speculation. I think that there's a long way to go. We don't even know where exactly they will be drafting yet. Tim Campbell with the handle Vincent Life asks, why is life pain? I'm assuming you mean life as a Lions fan. I really apologize for you there. I'm not really sure what to tell you. But if you are being serious about life being pain, I I urge you to talk to somebody. And there are people out there that will talk to you, that people out there that that can help you. And um, I hope that you are able to get the help you need. Doug McCready uh, with the handle at DG McCready. Asks, look like number three for the Lions. Any chance the Lions trade out? Sure. I think that there's absolutely a chance that they can trade out if, say, Miami wants Tua at four or if they're at five. Let's just say that. And they feel they can get Derek Brown or the Ohio State cornerback at four or five. And they can pick up an extra couple of draft picks. Yeah. They could absolutely do that. I don't think they would trade down too far. They know they need to get a difference maker in this draft. They know they need to get an impact player in this draft. And at number three, there should be two, three, four players that can make a difference at positions of need for the Lions. So I would say, no, I would be, I would not necessarily think they would move, but if they can move down a couple of spots and still get the guy they want, then it's certainly a possibility. But I think we're all a long way from that. A lot can happen, including the changing of draft position. If they're sitting at two, I don't think that they would make a move if Chase Young was sitting there. Uh, and I say that we haven't, I haven't talked to anybody really about the draft process yet, but just based off of me and what I would do, if I'm at two and I know Cincinnati is taking Joe Burrow at one, I am sitting there. My card is going in about probably five seconds later, and I'm taking Chase Young from Ohio State. I think he just has that type of potential. Um, Josh Boev, that's J-O-S-H-B-O, 
S-H-B-O-E-V-E, says, I can't see Washington taking Young. They need offensive line help more than a guy like Chase Young. I mean, I don't know, man. I I would have a tough time seeing them passing on Chase Young. I, I think anyone at two that doesn't need a quarterback would be silly to pass on Chase Young. And that's just my opinion. Uh, Washington needs playmakers, much like the Lions need playmakers. I, I think they're in similar situations. And you just kind of have to go with it and, and take your best playmaker. I think you can build in the offensive line in other areas and, and get them in the middle rounds. And the Lions have been particularly good at that. Larry Warford, obviously, now is with New Orleans. is a middle-round pick. Travis Swanson, a middle-round pick. Graham Glasgow, a middle-round pick. All three of those players, Joe Dahl, who's obviously a starter now, mid, mid to late round pick, but all three of those guys that I mentioned in the third round all had successful careers with Detroit. Obviously, may, they didn't play their whole careers with Detroit for various reasons, but they were successful there. J.J. Bauscher asks, percentage of the stands filled with Packers fans next week? I'm betting over 50%. I would feel pretty confident saying that, yeah, that should be over 50%. I think it might be somewhere closer to 75%. And, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, I posted it, the picture of Mile High, their stands. It was decently filled with Broncos fans, but there were a lot of empty seats and some really empty sections. I would anticipate, especially coming between Christmas and New Year's, holiday time when people go away, nothing on the line for the Lions, the Packers playing with something, coming in with something to play for, yeah, I think you could see a lot of Packers fans in Detroit on Sunday, and it'll be in some ways really fitting for this team to close out this year that way after they've lost eight in a row, they've lost 11 of 12, and they actually, I mentioned this in my story, they snapped a 50-year record of futility today. They... Before them, the team with the worst record after going unbeaten, not undefeated, but unbeaten in three games were the Cincinnati Bengals in 1969. They finished 4-9-1. and The Lions, by losing to Denver today, have ensured that they will eclipse that after the Lions went 2-0-1 to start the season, and they will finish no better than 4-11-1, but they very well could be 3-12-1. Both of those percentages are worse than that Bengals team, so... That's where they sit right now. Doug Tomsett says, is it time to draft a new quarterback given Matthew Stafford's back problems the past two seasons? Yes, I think they should draft a quarterback. No, they should not draft Tua. They should not draft, they're not going to get Joe Burrow, but they shouldn't draft Joe Burrow. They shouldn't draft Justin Herbert unless, unless Justin Herbert's no longer there in the first round. If you're on day two and you see a quarterback that you like that you want to develop at this point, you need to take that quarterback. You need to have a quarterback in there, not only to challenge Matthew Stafford a little bit, because when he's healthy, he's playing really, really well, but you need a quarterback in here that gives you potential that you can build around, that you can build around Daryl Bevel's system for a couple of years, because, you know, listen, even though they have the win-now mandate, their thought is they're going to win, so you want to bring in a quarterback to develop, so that way, in a couple of years, you can make a decision on whether and you see where Matthew Stafford is, see how he's been injury wise, health wise, how he's playing. And then you hopefully make a decision if you've drafted the right quarterback, because the worst case scenario there, if you're the Lions or maybe the best case is you have two really good quarterbacks and you choose to roll with one, whether it's the veteran and Stafford or 
the younger player to be named later and you trade the other one and you get more draft picks that way and can build your team even more. Just take one or two more questions here. Um, Joshua Ferguson, Fergie 97 asked me, do I ever get bored watching this team? Legitimately curious given that this is what you have to do for a living. Yeah, there are some games that are much more exciting than others. I would say today's game against Denver was among the least exciting for multiple reasons, including there's not much on the line for either team. There's not any sort of coaching drama with either team. There's not any major drama in any way. And there weren't many explosive plays in the game. The Lions really chose to try to grind it out on the ground. Denver didn't have that many explosive plays. I really like kind of the read option, the read triple option almost, that it looked like Denver ran to get a first down. That was a really cool play. Jamal Agnew's punt return was pretty cool to see. But I'm doing so much technically during the game between charting, taking notes, trying to be on Twitter and inform there, looking up stats, and starting at least in the second half to craft and write whatever I need to file at the buzzer that boredom goes away pretty quickly if there is any such thing as boredom and it goes into a very intense work time and then kind of I sit back at the end kind of after I finish doing this podcast this is the last thing I do every every week and then I say okay well how was that was that game any good or not but when I'm covering an exciting game when I'm covering a big game you definitely can feel it and you can definitely sense it more than say a game like this game or really uh, this this game felt very much like the game in Buffalo last year although there were still technically playoff hopes on the line or really two years ago in Cincinnati right around the same time that was I think a Christmas Eve game and and this was you know just before Christmas, but the stands in Cincinnati were pretty empty. Fans were kind of disgruntled, and they weren't thinking Marvin Lewis might go at that point. Obviously, Marvin stayed, but Jim Caldwell was on his way out. And it was just kind of this blah atmosphere, blah game, very similar last week to Tampa Bay at home, except for the fact that Jameis Winston made it really exciting. And I expect that Week 17 will be pretty exciting as well with Aaron Rodgers coming to town. But yeah, there are some games that I get more excited about than others just from a coverage standpoint because I think that they matter more and it's clear that they mean something. But every game to me is interesting because every game has a story and some, you never know what can happen any day. I can remember games I went into covering being like, eh, I don't know, this seems silly that I'm even here. And then it ends up being a, something crazy happens or a ends up being a crazy game and it ends up being totally worth it uh i'll end with this question because we've been pretty thematic on the draft and it is if burrow and chase young go one two who do the lions pick at three that's from dan otherwise known as detroit dan 1982 and i would look maybe to trade but for me right now i would look at isaiah simmons out of Clemson, or I would look at Derek Brown out of Auburn. I think you need to add defensive playmakers. You need to add a big-time defensive playmaker. I think both can fit in Matt Patricia's system. It's just a question of where he feels the bigger need is maybe. Is it on the defensive line, or is it somebody that you can kind of plug and play anywhere? To me, the concern would be if I'm the Lions, 
is Isaiah Simmons too similar to Tracy Walker, or can they coexist in that same secondary? And then are you really just drafting over Will Harris, or do you see Simmons more like Tavon Wilson, who can play a bit more in the box, and Tavon Wilson's going to be a free agent, so there's no guarantee he comes back? Or can you see Isaiah Simmons as more of a linebacker, maybe a coverage linebacker, which you've been missing, and you, you can kind of play around then, and, and maybe what does that do for a guy like Jalen Rees-Mabin or Christian Jones? And, and you go from there. Derek Brown makes a lot, lot of sense. They need a lot of help on the interior of that defensive line because Damon Harrison is getting older. The Mike Daniels experiment, he's going to be a free agent, and it just lo- looks like it didn't work out. Ashawn Robinson, by the way, going all the way back, he's a guy that maybe you th- hoped could get some pass rush pressure. He's going to be a free agent. doesn't seem like he's going to be back, just reading tea leaves at this point. And so who are you relying on in the middle there? Deshaun Hand when he comes back healthy, but you need more than Deshaun Hand in order to do that. You don't know what you're really getting out of Kevin Strong, honestly, as an undrafted free agent. So that, to me, would be the two areas I would look and I would really consider first because you need defensive stars, you need a defensive playmaker, and you need just talent, and those are the people to look at. I want to thank all of you for listening. As always, this has been another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. Just a quick thing before we go. We will not, barring some major news happening, we will not have an episode during the week this week. Our next episode will be post-Green Bay next Sunday. That's just because it's Christmas week. I'm going to see some family in North Carolina for a couple of days when I get back from Denver. And then I'll be back in Allen Park for the rest of that week. But we generally record earlier in the week. And with it being Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, when we usually record, uh, a lot of guests are going to be tied up. It's big family time. And so we are just going to not do a podcast during the week and we will come back again next Sunday. And then we'll have obviously much more to talk about then with the season ending. And then we're going to get back right back into our regular schedule the following week, have a couple of guests lined up here for the early parts of January that I'm pretty excited about that. I hope that you will be excited about as well. As always, I want to thank my producers, Stephen Arkinall, Matt Leach, David Woodley. Thank my designer and question asker today, Samantha Holt. I want to thank my presenting sponsor, Regents Field. Don't forget to check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Regents Field. Uh, one other thing there, we might be having a live show that you'd want to come down to here in the next couple of weeks, hoping to maybe firm that up this coming week. Let you guys know on that. Hope you have a great holiday season. Hope you have a great new year, although we'll be talking to you before then. Spend some time with your family if you can. Be safe out there and have a happy holiday.